You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the Nightman Podcast Network. I'm Scott, joined by Rob. As ever, Scott Saunders and Rob Blanchett. I usually do that by... You are Scott panel. Saunders, aren't you? I am Scott Saunders. You are Rob Blanchett. And That's we're me. back. Pre-Manchester derby. Uh, the Mark Robbins moment in Eric Ten Hag's managerial career happened on... Was it, when? it was Wednesday night, wasn't it? At Nottingham mm. Forest. Casemiro with a goal, which, according to some people, should have been ruled out. If you look at Virgil van Dijk's goal in the League Cup final on Sunday, even though the <laughs> two situations are completely different given where the ball was about to land. Anyway, uh, they did win that game. United threw to the FA Cup quarterfinals with a home match against Liverpool. Hopefully, United do not get knocked out by Liverpool at all, especially by Liverpool's academy, who are playing in their first team yeah. at the moment. But that one is a little bit further down the line. Immediately, we are looking forward to the Manchester City game. We'll do that towards the end of today's show, but there's a few topics that we'll talk about on the show today before we get into that. Uh, Rob, how are you doing? Not too bad. Obviously, very pleased that United uh, progressed in the FA Cup. I think all of these are like banana skins for Eric Ten Hag now, isn't it? Like every defeat, as we said, like with the Fulham game recently, and everyone feels terrible about it, is that when you actually look at the wider record this year, it's not that bad, is it? It's like one defeat. But obviously, I think being knocked out against Nottingham Forest might have been critical in terms of how many trophies you can win this year. So pleased United won that game. Performance wasn't much cop again, but it doesn't really matter. You've got to just win these football matches. You mentioned Mark Robbins there, Scott, and it's quite interesting how many United fans don't even know who Mark Robbins is and how important Mark Robbins' goal was to Sir Alex Ferguson back in the day on that very football pitch in the city ground in that penalty box. So for me as an older fan, that was something that I, I kind of had misty eyes about and thought, wow, I do remember that so clearly as a kid watching it. And that goal saved Sir Alex Ferguson's career at Man United. It's been denied by the Edwards family and by Bobby Charlton and by Sir Alex himself all these years later. But that's all right to say after you've won like 30 or 40 trophies and people can say, oh, no, it wasn't like that at all. Um, the whole press were after Sir Alex in those days. And so were United fans. They didn't want him at the football club anymore because the style of football, Scott, was rubbish, really bad, probably worse than it is today. Yeah, you talk talking about the pressure and how that could have mm. been the Mark Robbins equivalent. Mm. Like since the, I know United lost at Forest at the back end of last year, but they they literally won. I think seven out of nine 
so far yeah. this year. And one of those is was a defeat. And that obviously that's not not bad. You don't want to lose to Fulham in the, the manner that you do. And I think that is why the defeat the other day was so hard to kind of stomach because you've seen the same mistakes over and over again. But yeah, yeah, it was a draw against Spurs at Old Trafford. A couple of FA Cup wins over lower league opposition, you know, but they've had some some decent wins in there. Performances aren't all there, but you know, when when Ten Hag comes out and says, "I think our form's been quite good," you can't argue with that given the results that they've had yeah, he's since not the turn of the year. Yeah, he's not right. He's not wrong. The, the the results are fine, and and again, one of my many catchphrases, you know, winning solves everything. I think the thing is, is again, like you just said, it's the manner of failure, the manner of stuff happening. So when you lose against Fulham, it's very easy to pick holes in some of this stuff that really shouldn't be. A massive problem to to a football team on a week to week basis, but seems to be a problematic towards Man United. Uh, and I think with the Forest game, Scott, I actually think United grew into the game was were better in the second half and probably deserved to win the game. There was a team I think at that moment going for the victory, and Forest were a little bit hit or miss. But you were always worried, weren't you, that you know Anthony Langer was going to get a run just like in a straight line. You were like, well, none of our lot are going to be able to keep up with him. And thankfully, I think also, Andre Anana, someone we've criticised in the last few weeks, had a decent game, didn't he? Both on the deck with his distribution, but made two or three real key saves as well, which, mandatory saves, but at least he made them and they didn't just go through his body this week. Of course, all this doesn't do much for the optimism going into the derby. No. Uh, because I know that the way I'm looking at it anyway, <laughs> Erling Haaland scored five goals the other day. Hopefully mm. he used them all up. Um, but, you know, he's not really been on it. I think Kevin De Bruyne assisted four of them. He did. And that's not exactly what you want going into a derby when United are defending with as much space between their midfield and their defence as you're seeing. You could just you just imagine Kevin De Bruyne just taking the ball and either passing it through that gap or running through that gap yeah. and playing in Erling Haaland, who's running off the shoulder of uh, Johnny Evans. <laughs> You know, <laughs> let's be honest. City will be licking their lips. Like uh, I got actually, funny enough, just behind me is a Stan Chow here. Stan tweeted me about that and said, "Oh, you know, I'd tweeted about Mark Robbins, and he said it's just a shame we're turning up at City." And I said, well, "I don't mind because, again, back in the day, I used to remember that we used to go to Anfield quite regularly when they were the apex team in world football. Liverpool, they were no one was better than Liverpool in world football, and we were rubbish. And we'd go to Anfield and we'd we'd get points, we'd win, we'd get draws, we would shock them all the time every season. And funnily enough, watching highlights just the other day, there Eric Ten Hag's first season." Isn't it where we 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 beat them? We actually got a win off Man City in in uh, corresponding fixtures. Was it Old Trafford though? The that was at Old Trafford. Sticks in this game last year. That was Old, Tra- Old Trafford, but it's not that long ago that a certain Paul Pogba with blue hair scored twice at at, at the Etihad and Manchester United. We were there, there for that one. We there. I think I wasn't there for that one. But I, again, I was. That was that was you? a very fun day. Yeah. There's a tell us about it. There's a there's a vlog somewhere on the internet. Um, <laughs> Of that day, because uh, yeah. I was doing like fan reaction stuff at that time, yeah. and uh, it went pretty viral at the time as well. I, d- I don't Pop know if box. it's, uh, I, I I don't know if it's uh, still available to see on the internet. I think it might have been privated, but right. yeah, it is. Uh, that that was a fun day because United were awful in the first yeah. half, and they just turned it on like they, ah, hey, we can actually turn up, and that happens, doesn't it? Like th- this is the thing about Man United is that you could lose seven nil there, you really could. Or you go there and punch them in the face and win 1-0 or 2-1 or something 
strange and stranger things have happened in football. So I, I tend not to reflect too much, Scott, on the what might happen in that kind of scenario because you've, you've been told a million times that this stuff doesn't really matter in Manchester Derby's who the better team is. I can remember again being an old man, Man City beating us 5-1 when we were the best team in the world and Man City were rubbish, absolute rubbish. And they they destroyed us 5-1. So it's like it, it, it happens in football and, and our form is not going to be reflective of whether we win or lose that football match. It will, it will be on the day, like you just said there, Erling Haaland against, say, Johnny Evans. Don't feel great about that. But what I'll do is I'll just pretend that's not happening and just put my hands in my ears and go, well, you've got injuries. What can you actually do? I think Erling Haaland will like that. The matchups there for him in the middle. What is it? He scored, was it, he scored five goals, wasn't it? He scored five goals the other day. He scored a hat-trick in this fixture last yeah. season and so did Phil Foden. And De Bruyne got four and he's literally had no football in the last few weeks. <laughs> he got four assists. So it's kind of like, oh. So yeah, I think City will be like, oh, do you know what? We could hammer this lot and they probably could, but I think we just need to go there, do the work, Scott, run around, you know, try and match Man City in their work rate because they do work very hard, City. And and if we do that, who knows? Maybe we, maybe the impossible dream happens. I can say this. I think Chelsea are worse than United. And they mm. went to, they, they went to the Etihad a couple of weeks ago and probably deserved to win. I think yeah. they maybe even deserve, <laughs> maybe shaded it as the better team. Well, we'll talk about how United go about getting a result later in the show. Anyway, yeah, like we did say, we don't want to go too deep into it. To start with, no. let's kick off. Marcus Rashford mm. is on the name. On Marcus Rashford is on the agenda. His name is all over the media currently. Yes. Uh, because he has... Spoken, let's just say he's spoken. Uh, Rob, your feelings, what well, your reaction to uh, what Marcus Rashford has put out into the world? Well, let's talk, but just before that, let's talk a little bit broader about Marcus Rashford. Some of the things that I've said already in I think weeks gone by, just to reiterate, so maybe viewers that haven't seen the promised land in the last few weeks for whatever reason and kind of go from that point. I think with Marcus Rashford, we know his form's not been great this year. That happens with Marcus. He's a bit streaky. You know, one year great, one year not. These are things we know. Uh, one of the things that Marcus kind of spoke about uh, yesterday publicly was in terms of who he is and what he is and how he feels about Man United. Uh, and kind of the slant on it was that talk about maybe, I think as well, some of his political achievements during lockdown where he speaks that maybe that rubs people up the wrong way. Funnily enough, Scott, I've had so many people say exactly what he said about that so so many people go oh he's too bothered about feeding the children that's what it is that's why he doesn't play football well and i think that's scandalous i think that's stupid like if people really believe that then they've really got a brain have they you can't really go there there's a council estate lad trying to help other council estate lads what i will say about marcus and this was absolutely apparent in the forest game i don't know if united fans agree with me but his work rate against nottingham forest was completely night and day to what we've seen in recent weeks and months. So there's been games, and obviously there's lots of viral stuff in it, of Marcus jogging around Ross Barkley when Ross Barkley's two yards from him and kind of not putting in the tackle and not making the effort. One thing you've got to do, you play for our football club, but any football club, if you're playing for the badge, you have got to run and work. Now, that was there against Forest. Now, he did miss some chances, didn't he, Scott? Some really guilt-edged chances against Nottingham Forest. But I'm not worried about that because 
he actually did what Rasmus does. And Rasmus will miss a chance now and then, but Rasmus works and does the press. So if Marcus is going to be on number nine for maybe a few weeks, we don't know Rasmus can make it back in two, three, four weeks, then at least run. So he kind of, he didn't really address that, Scott, I think in what he said. Timing of the interview, people can question. But I think more than that, I think with Marcus, he's really just got to be a little bit more outward. Like he he talks about being an introvert and it's stuff that we know about Marcus. He is an introvert, but he's a Man United fan. And I do believe that he loves the club, just like we all love the club. But when you the guy that gets paid 350 grand a week, you've got a big opportunity to show people you love the club. So that's kind of it really with Marcus. He didn't really go much deeper into that. He, he just kind of talked about maybe some criticisms and stuff that he said before. Overall for me, Marcus, get on with the job against Man City. Go and do the press. Go and do the whole the hard work. You know what this means for United fans. So prove it every week. And that's all I can really say towards Marcus. Yeah, he will be leading the line, you'd imagine, in the Manchester Derby. He has scored lots of goals in Manchester Derbys. One of his uh one of his earliest uh memories was in that one nil under mm. Louis Van Gaal at the Etihad, where he skinned uh, Demichelis, I think it was, wasn't it? And slotted it past yeah. Joe. See how far yeah. City have come in that time. You Who just said Demichelis. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> now manager of, I believe, River Plate. I think, I think so. I think he's got a, cl- a big club. Yeah. Yeah. I think is he River, is he a River manager? I don't know, actually. I've just completely forgot. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Rashford is... Uh... He'll, be, he'll be playing. And uh, I think, you know... He's one of 11 players, maybe hmm. up to 16 players on that day who are going to have to play, not the game of their lives, but they're really going to, you know, they're under the cost here. They, they are by no means the favourites. And obviously, we'll talk about later in the show, as I, as I mentioned just now, how United are going to deal with this. Hmm. Uh, because the way that City, they're not even firing at full strength, but then when you see them score six goals in the last game, you kind of think, oh, no, well, we're not defending all that well. Uh, and if we get a chance, we've got to take it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, hey, we'll see. But just, just yeah, one Marcus. Thing. Yeah, go on. Sorry, go on. No, you, you go. go on. So I was just, I was just saying so one more thing off the back of that, obviously, because I tweeted about it before and just kind of said what I just said there about Marcus needing to run. There's a lot of people going to tweet me back there this morning and everything saying, ah, oh, but these players run and they still get hate. And this player runs, Bruno runs and gets hatred. You know, Dan James used to run and get hatred. I, I, I want to make this distinction because when I talk about how fans react to a player, I'm talking about the physical aspect of being in a stadium with that player. That's what I'm talking about. So it's really hard in a tweet sometimes to expand because you don't really want to write 10,000 words to kind of explain every emotion. But that's really what I'm going from is that when Marcus is running in front of us at Old Trafford, run. That's what we demand. And it's how fans feel there. Now, I know on Twitter, Scott, there's hate everywhere. You could score 100 goals and still be hated, couldn't you? Like Marcus last year, brilliant season, was still getting hatred from some fans. So I'm not talking about that aspect. And I know the world now thinks that Twitter is everything. Like Twitter is a, a kind of barometer of how the world feels. And it really isn't. Twitter is more of a mess of a, a billion opinions all trying to grab the same space. Do you know what I mean? So when we talk about that and work rate, it is more about those fans that are there. I think about the Forest uh, in the Forest game, how many United fans made that trip there across. And they're the fans that are there every week. So I'm talking more about how they feel when they're watching these players play for them. You know, there's going to be a load of United fans in the Etihad 
I think Marcus needs to do them justice, not Twitter, not social media. He needs to do the play, the, the people there who are paying the money to sing for him. If they're going to sing for you, mate, at least run, do that. And then you're okay. And you'll always have fans backing off the back of that. That's, that's my personal opinion of being someone who's been at games for 30 years. Not the only player who's been in the headlines the last few days. No. Rashi. Because uh, Eric Ten Hag's been talking about Bruno Fernandes. And <laughs> Bruno got the assist for Casemiro's Mark Robbins-esque goal at Forest. Little head uh, down. Yeah. Also, I think he must have like reopened the wound from that injury. That he that he picked up in the defeat against Fulham as well, because uh, he was he was pointing to his head when he when he was celebrating. I was like, "Yeah, you you definitely you've done something to your head there, haven't you?" Because he didn't and look the blood too, uh, He didn't look too comfortable, and then the the blood the blood came out afterwards. Uh, Bruno Fernandez though was uh, carrying an injury going into that game. There was a doubt yeah. about whether he would play alongside Rafa Varane, and obviously the there's been some. Bruno Fernandes is always one of those players that gets a lot of criticism. He's a, he's a favorite of a lot of people, but he's also, he winds a lot of people up the wrong way as well. Mm. And obviously there was that clip of him going around the other day in the dying moments of the Fulham match as United were chasing a goal where he was tackled mm. and kind of rolls around on the floor. United keep possession. He thinks he might get the ball back. So he jumps back up and he asks for the ball. And Fulham their social media team have uh, decided to put that video with uh, some funny music over the top saying, oh, I hope he's all right. Oh, was there funny music? I didn't know that. There was funny music. Yeah, there was funny music. <laughs> was it Benny Hill or something? <laughs> something along those lines. I don't know what the, the song exactly was. But def- it's one of those familiar songs that you that you mm. know accompanies that kind of clip. <laughs> uh, and yeah, obviously it got a million TikTok views. Uh, I, che- I checked it because I didn't even know that that had happened until Eric Ten Hag talked about it. Uh, and then Eric Ten Hag was asked about it. And I found it quite interesting in his uh, press conference looking ahead to the derby. He was asked about it. And he mentioned social media multiple times. I know. I was shocked when he said it. That's really press- quite weird. Like, uh, Considering how maybe in certain moments you'll get players or managers saying, yeah, I... I Social media is impossible to kind of uh, stop, you know, penetrating into your life. You, you, yeah. You're obviously going to see some of it. Um, but usually the line is, ah, I don't bother with it. You know, yeah, yeah it, I, you know, it, 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 it doesn't, doesn't come on my radar or it's better that I, that I ignore it. Hmm. I don't think that's the case. I think it's, it's so prevalent nowadays that I think everybody sees it. Um, maybe not everything, but for for Eric Ten Hag to talk about it, I thought it was quite weird. Yeah, it, it was weird in the sense... Also, it, I, before you start, Rob, I will say that I, I don't think football clubs like Fulham should be putting that on their social channels. Completely, completely. And, but they and, are, uh, in a lot of cases, these are like these social teams are kind of like junior... Yeah, tw- 22, 25, 25-year-olds. 10-year-olds. Who... <laughs> like, <laughs> no I'm, offense. I'm not going to say 10, but, you know, obviously. there's a. I think there's a line that professional football clubs should have that, that separates them from the rest. There's a respect that should go alongside everything that you, as a football club, are attached to. Yeah, it? business has realized with social media that if it plays down to the crowd... Yeah, so if the crowd wants to shout and scream about stuff and Twitter 
you know, primarily has been about the B word for years. Again, inverted commas for people who can't see what I'm doing with my fingers here. Banter, 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 banter. Football clubs have actually gone and professional businesses. Oh, do you know what? If we buy into this banterlicious behavior, then we'll get hits and clicks and people will, you know, turn attention to our product. That's exactly what's happened with Fulham there, isn't it? Fulham have had more eyes. Let's say a million people looking at that there. Is there a million Fulham fans in the world? I don't really know. I couldn't really call it. But there isn't, is there? So I think the point is, is that this is all, again, is kind of like viral marketing. How do you get your brand out there? And I agree with you, Scott. Like, I, I think it's distasteful that football clubs go down this, this route. I've always said that if I was the leader of one of these football clubs, I would have these big social media bands for my players and my staff. So, yeah, we'll do tweets about games upcoming and we'll do you little bits of viral interviews and we'll do some nice little fluffy stuff. But we're not going to start getting into the banter arena like that is not for business. But Business Dow does that. I think you see it, don't you, with some major betting companies who have basically made all of their shtick professionally about taking the mickey out of someone else, haven't they? That's how they do it, and that's how they get hits and clicks. I don't really want to see football clubs do that. Like Manchester United, I think, have been a little bit up and down with it as well. They're not the only organisation. But I'd like to think with our new ownership that maybe they'll sort that out, and that's not something we will see at Man United in years to come with the PR. But this is what they do, isn't it? Like Fulham have done that calling out a player but then what does that generate scott it does generate hatred does generate controversy so eric mentioned it was interesting because that tells me he's been briefed because there's no way eric ten hogs on tiktok like literally no way he didn't even well really know. also did you, did you see the incident the other week about michael beale no what was that oh no you haven't seen this which bit which bit sorry you tell me michael beale former former qpr was he no sunderland he was at sunderland right yeah. Uh, former Sunderland manager, Michael Beale, he recently lost his job. And it yes. turns out that he was running some burner accounts, which were <laughs> self-promoting him. You haven't seen this? No. If you haven't seen completely... this, just, just go back to, I think... Uh, I've been it? off the radar for a week, so I've missed a lot of it. <laughs> oh, you, you need to... If you haven't seen this, everyone listening, you need to, you need to see this. I think the second tier podcast was the one right. who, um, who shared it. It was about a week or 10 days ago. So you, you yeah. might have to dig it up a little bit. But Michael mm. Beale. So when, when we say we don't think that people are actually like people in managerial positions are on these social media yeah. uh, platforms. Uh, <laughs> There's evidence. <laughs> it, to it's the not country. always the case. My, yeah. Sunderland, uh, Sunderland sacked Michael Beale after 12 games in charge. And I know we're, I know we're going off topic here. Yeah. But uh, there was a whole. No, there was a whole big thing about it, and it was quite entertaining. Uh, he was accused of, of using the reason an why on- him. I don't think so. I think I don't know, but he was accused of using anonymous uh, Twitter account to hit back at critics, and mm. a lot of it was going in on the fans who were not backing the team and him. Right. And it turns out that there was some links that like people had made on some social media users had made from. Mm something a name of something or an account or a, a pot an account that he'd used previously and it was linked to something on his linkedin and then he put two and two together and it was uh you go and check it out go and check it out oh. it was uh very very oh, yeah. interesting Any, anyway off topic that was but just, but just in general that, actually point, if he has done that right just again sorry if he has done that and that is something that's real yeah, that is a sackable offence because you, you, if that gets revealed, like I, I thought about this the other week when he got when he got sacked, and it was like twelve games, wasn't it? And we were like, okay, 
things are not going well. There was a couple of issues with a play or two, wasn't there? And that was all kind of very public. You know, you're dirty washing out there on the line. Everyone can see it. But it was a bit like, well, that's a bit strange that you'd sack someone after 12 games for those things. But that tells me a lot because if he's doing that secretly and that's been investigated and say the club have found that out, then that's a sackable offence. It really is. And and this is where now social media becomes more important than it should be. Do you get what I mean? Because he should know as a grown-up that you shouldn't do that and you're kind of contravening your own contract there by doing that kind of stuff. So that's interesting, Scott. I would thank you for informing me and the audience of that. And I will definitely go back and have a, a little bit of an investigation on that and have a look. It was very funny. Very funny. But we know players do this. We know they have burner, account, burner accounts. We know this happens. So it, it, it is there, but you can't tell everyone to do the same thing, even though that's really what you have to do. You have to kind of say, this is our, our kind of our line on social media. And really, a manager of any kind of professional football club should not be doing that. Just get your head down. Do not look at it. Get on with your life. What are you doing tweeting people saying from an anonymous account that you should back the manager? Like, you're one voice in a million and no one's listening. So kind of like, it's a bit of a strange one, that, isn't it? Let's hope United never end up uh, doing that. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> um, so that's Bruno Fernandes. You'd imagine he'll play in the derby on Sunday. Uh, as we as we understand it, no new injury concerns uh, for United, unless something magically turns up in the next two training sessions. Uh, you might get a similar team, maybe plus Kobe Menu in there mm. uh, for the derby. But just before we move on, follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at TPL MUFC, and uh, subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and also. YouTube as well, like this video, leave a comment, notification bell, etc., etc., and also five star reviews, please, on the audio accounts too. And follow Scott on TikTok. Yeah, I try, I try, but you know, and send him a boost though if you want. That's fine because it's it's nothing to do. I tell you what, our, our um Harry, the our Arsenal fan friend and slash producer, is killing it on TikTok at the moment. He called out Rio Ferdinand the other day as well. Uh, for his comments on Mikel Arteta walking into Man United. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand. And even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If they called him. Anyway. Um, <laughs> right, let's... Uh, I think, I think Rio was... getting what he wants. I think that's yeah, Rio, Rio wants the interaction, people. Dig, dig, um, dig. We can take Arteta. Dig, 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 dig. Like, oh, okay, whatever. But, but then we are a bigger club than Arsenal, so I kind of get the premise. Mm. Um, right. I think we said at one point that we'd never talk about him again. On Double the pod. P. PP. Yeah. Um, look, I, Paul Pogba. Uh, we felt like we we should talk about this really because he's synonymous with United, whether that's in a good or a bad way. Obviously, he left the club a couple of years ago, but his career since has not gone on to any better levels. And also, this week he's been banned for four years from football for mm. doping offences, which uh, you know. However, that has come about, you know, he's he's failed a test. I don't think, like from, from what I understand of the situation, I don't think he's done that knowingly. He's also come out and said uh, he never knowingly uh, took any banned substances. Mm. Uh, but just, Rob, in general, it's sad, isn't it? Like, how, how do you feel about it? I, I'm, I, I wanted the best for him. I wanted Pogba to go somewhere else and fulfill potential or, you know, go and play his career out somewhere else because I think he's a really talented footballer but obviously this this could pending an appeal I think there's an appeal process yeah he could his career could be over effectively I think you know this you know he plays out the ban in full he wouldn't return to a football pitch till he was 34 so kind of best years are behind you um it is sad Scott but and what I'll say is about is I think when you think about either drug cheats or kind of changing your own chemical compounds in your body so you can perform more. You know, this is something that he's been accused of obviously taking testosterone and that being proved a hormone for performance. Uh, as someone that covered Tour de France's in years gone by and seeing Lance Armstrong basically lie and cheat his way to these titles and actually stand in front of a camera and deny it in a kind of complete barefaced way. I'm also very aware that sportsmen do lie even when they're caught. If they're caught, they might say, oh, I didn't do it, boss. Um, there's no doubt that Paul Pogba is going to take this down to the court of arbitration for sport, and he might obviously get get reduced ban or something or the other. He's, both his tests A and B were proved positive, so that's not a good look for him. But I also think it's got like, a whole system. I don't really know how it works anymore. Like To, to get caught in this manner and then get four-year ban does seem massive compared to some of the bans that we've seen for other stuff like Funnily enough, if you take recreational drugs, you, you know, you receive a smaller ban, even though that might be more illegal in the wider arena of, of the context of what you're taking. So sport tries to take these things very seriously. I'm not quite sure it's still got a very good framework for, for how it administers bans and how things are judged. Paul Pogba's getting a four-year ban. That's the end of his career, effectively. He might be able to come back when he's 34. I don't really have sympathy for Paul Pogba, unless, of course, he is innocent and he can prove that somewhere down the line. Um, but I also think, Scott, it's kind of mentioned recently on certain other podcasts and by ex-Man United players, that doping, as we'd like to call it, has been going on in football since the 80s and the 90s. really has been. And just a lot of players 
got away with it because there wasn't the systems in place. I think Gary Neville and Roy Keane talk about some Italian teams that they played in the past that when they came off the football pitch, they were like, those lot are on something because they were running in a way that we can't. <laughs> you know, this is difficult. So that's been a common conversation. I've spoken to ex-players before about this in depth. And doping is a funny one because, you know, I do believe actually, you know, there was questions about Arsene Wenger's methods many years ago. And that was a huge news story at the time. And, and nothing obviously was proved. So I'm not making any assertion there. But stuff's been going on, hasn't it, for years. Man City have also had these things kind of thrown at them in recent years about performance. So I think the system, I think that I think what we need to see is football actually have a bit more clearer guidelines on these things because they kind of pop up and then you get a player gets four year ban. He's taking testosterone, Scott. There's probably quite a lot of players taking it who are getting away with it, and you need to go and find those players as well. Of course, Andrew Nana missed um, a period of there you go time after he, I think he, he mistakenly took one of his uh, one of his partners. Tablets. I can't remember exactly what they were, and he got a, he got a ban from football for it. This 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 happens so often because we we want we want sports people to be one hundred percent accountable for what they do, what they take in, put in their mouth, and stab into their arms. You know, they they're constantly given blood tests at football clubs, Scott, once and twice a week. Yeah, so none of this stuff can really get missed. Like it can't be. There's so many tests on footballers today, they're like guinea pigs. So it, it is there, but. You know, if a player hasn't really got it all up here or just thinks, oh, I'm ill today, so I'm going to just pop that pill because they're so used to taking supplements, it is really easy to make that mistake. It's happened so many times in multiple sports. So I think in football, it's something we've not had our eyes on for many, many years. And I think it's actually been happening quietly behind the scenes anyway. So it'd be interesting to see if this goes any further because I, I actually think, I think Pogba could be innocent. He really could be. He might well. He's got so many people working for him, Scott, telling him to do stuff. I think we're seeing with Paul Pogba that he's quite influenced by a lot of that stuff. He's got a huge team behind the scenes. Can you believe that the doctors and stuff that work with him would allow it to escalate to this level where, where he's ended up with a four-year ban? It's kind of strange. Um, doesn't really work well for Italian football because I've had this happen before in Italian mm, football yeah. quite often. And people go, oh, it doesn't happen in England. Well, it does happen in England. It's just that obviously people are covering up a little bit more. Thank God, Scott. You know, fingers crossed here. He doesn't play for a football club anymore. That's all I was thinking when I, when it all broke. I, I was like, this news story, which is a big news story, would be a thousand times bigger. We'd have, we'd be doing three hour show on it today about Paul Pogba, Man United superstar, being given a four year doping ban. Um, thankfully, we can just mention it. We can kind of address it, and we can move on. Speaking of moving on, we'll move on to uh, the Manchester derby, mm-hmm. and we we touched on. I've written it down. Casa, that's that's really not not a thing. Say uh, it, Scott. Casemiro, a miss of a, a mix of Casemiro and Mark Robbins, and it just doesn't work. Anyway, Casemiro, Robbins. Uh, yes, that's exactly what I had written down. <laughs> it just doesn't sound very good. Um, but there, there Mark- are some. What's that? Mark Amiro. <laughs> yes, there you go. Neither work um, that well, Scott. We won't put that on the thumbnail. Okay. But Rob, this um. This comparison you're making between the two goals, I know you mm. touched on it at the top of the show, but this even mm. happened before I was born. I, I've said, I know the context. I know the the significance of it growing up and like watching United and learn about history and that kind of thing. But, yeah. you know, I, I, my, te- my history of United really springs back to 95 mm. onwards, 95, 96 onwards. 
I think. Glorious. So, yeah, well, I wonder. Although I did like, I did start supporting them before they'd won any trophies. I will say that. I, I just like Cantona in that season. Not a glory hunter from South Wales in Scott, no? No, oh, well, he, I get that leveled <laughs> at me all the time. But hey, I, if I wanted glory, <laughs> you know, wouldn't be supporting this lot anymore. No. Anyway. Um, yeah, so Mark Robbins scored that goal, which saved Ferguson. Hmm. Or, like, is, is reported to have saved Ferguson. I think that's uh, that's how it was. How how close to the mark is it with this Casemiro goal and Eric Ten Hag? Well, what I first says, yeah, like you're, you're a younger man than me, Scott. This beard that you can see here on YouTube that's very grey now wasn't that grey me a few years ago. So do you know what I mean? But yeah, I remember that period so clearly still. I was still I was only a kid, but I I I still can remember where I was sat watching it on a TV set. It was in the day, Scott, when you only got one game a weekend, like on a Sunday at three o'clock, and it was Manchester United at Nottingham Forest against a very good Nottingham Forest team with Stuart Pearce and and actually a team that. At the time, I kind of like top six, top five, top four ambitions. It's kind of in the time as well, Scott, when top four wasn't a thing. Like, like you didn't get you anything. You didn't get the Champions League. It was just European Cup winners, wasn't it? So I think when you when you look at the goal and kind of compare it to the Casemiro moment, the the bit that kind of really sticks out for me is again is just remembering where we've come from as a as a football club and what happened with with Ferguson in those years have to reiterate that three of the Ferguson's first four years at Manchester United, Man United came 11th, 12th and 13th. Can you imagine that today, Scott, if Man United came 11th, 12th and 13th in the three seasons out of four? Like that, the world would be burning down. My background here, I would just be sitting in a fire. That would be it, wouldn't it? Is that that would be the media in a nutshell. But Sir Alex did get a lot of flack in those days and he also got a lot of flack from paying fans. Like I remember being at games and I can remember just the, the discourse of voices. I think it was a famous poster of someone holding up a placard saying three years of this rubbish Fergie out. And I think that's kind of, that's been going around for, for years. That was an old, an old thing from, from back in the day. Um, I can't say for sure that Casemiro's goal saved this manager in the way that Robin's goal definitely saved Fergie, but there are definite, definite parallels in the sense that I think if he'd got knocked out the cup, Scott, this time Eric Ten Hag, then the case against him would have been huge because that's it now. No chance of a trophy. I do think that Ineos and Sir Jim Ratcliffe specifically are going to be a little bit old school about this. Like, I think they want silverware. So, like, being knocked out at the FA Cup might mean more to them than it would to, say, the Glazers, say, one year before. I don't think the Glazers really care about the FA Cup. I don't think they know what it is. So, I think I think that this will all be part of the the day of judgment for Eric Ten Hag when it finally comes, whether you keep him or you don't. But that goal, so late on that football pitch, it it, it might well be remembered in years to come that if Eric survives, that we're looking back five, ten years down the line, if Eric Ten Hag's been successful, won Premier Leagues, won stuff, we actually go, that was the day. That saved him, that goal, because he could have gone some moment afterwards. It's funny to make those parallels, but I see them because I just remember what it was like back then with Fergie was that people didn't want Fergie there. The football was worse, Scott, in those years, the late 80s, than it is now. And people don't realise that. It was a really bad set of circumstances. 1990, United were mid-table and we were proper mid-table. Like, that's who we were, 12th. And we weren't beating teams above 12. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? Like, we were talk we've been talked about in those years with Fergie as being relegation candidates. 
that's what people used to talk about because 12 to 17th, 18th, 19th was not that far away. It was about five, six, seven, eight points in those days. So, yeah, uh, uh, a little bit of a stay of execution for, for Eric with uh, Ineos. And I think Jim Ratcliffe might be going, yeah, I'd like to win this FA Cup. So please go do your best. Of course, all that could be erased if they get smashed in the derby this weekend. And maybe... <laughs> I don't know, because I, I, I think, again, I made the Liverpool comparison at the top of the show. I, I think that we are like miles off Man City, and I think you, City could absolutely murder you in this scenario. City are going for a title. They're going for a double treble. Yeah, and they're on it now. Like I said the other day, they're now 20 games unbeaten in all competition, City. Yeah, it was five minutes ago, people were saying, oh, they're not very good again. Oh, they're, they're not going to do it. Well, 20 games unbeaten is pretty good, isn't it? So I think the whole point is that Haaland's come back from his injuries. De Bruyne's coming back from his injuries. They are clicking. And I, I, don't, I go into that game with zero expectation. Like I do think we probably will lose. But at the same time, I've seen all this before. And I know that it can be the other way. I don't think any result at the Etihad will see this manager being sacked. I think it was more likely that if you go to Forest and fail, Scott, against Nottingham Forest, who are getting relegated, maybe, you know, one of those teams near that, that end of the table, then you'll get judged a lot quicker and a lot harsher. I don't know. I think it's a lot of it's about the manner for me. I think you know, hmm. need to. They they can't fold like they have in at Anfield and like at the end. Hmm. Like I think they were four 0 down in like twenty thirty minutes last season, and they have yeah. to. Ten Hag has to take some kind of lessons from what he's seen in these games previously. I know they did what they did well at Anfield in the sense of I remember we came on here and was were quite positive about it after, even though United have been criticised for being defensive. But in these situations, like I know Eric Ten Hag wants to imprint a, a standard and a, a style of play, which obviously people are debating, does that even exist? Mm. I think I think he's trying, it's just you're not seeing it. But in this case, you are, and the, the, the 11 that he's going to put out is by no nowhere near a match for C. So you have to accommodate. And this is this is my approach going into this game. You have to change up what you're doing to get a result and I feel like the same approach as at Liverpool I don't know whether it'll, it will work the same but you know I've been when Chelsea went there a couple of weeks ago I don't know if we talked about this on the pod Rob but I, I have said in other places when Chelsea went there and got a draw two weeks ago it reminded me of Ollie. it really did that that yeah. style that style of football reminded me of Solskjaer Nicholas Jackson was Dan James like <laughs> yeah. that that was this that was the outball and, you know, I feel like it's, sometimes if you play that way and City score early on, you, you, your game plan goes out the window. But Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had a fantastic record against Pep, especially at the Etihad as well. Yeah. Low block, double pivot, counter-attack. Like, I, I think sometimes in football we over-complicate stuff. Like, you know, it, City are going to have all of the ball, aren't they? I bet you City will have 80% possession against Man United. They will absolutely dominate the ball, but they'll use it as well. And they'll also get themselves, like we didn't mention one player, there's Phil Foden. Phil Foden's probably in the form of his life at the moment, especially in terms of production. You know, like he's really he's really cooking in the final third at the moment. So you've got three players there, but any of the Man City players can hurt you on any given day. You just said about Ole. Ole used to have a really good record in these kind of matches, didn't he, overall? Because Ole would set up and he would spoil and you'd have Fred and McTominay and they would just sit and they would go do the work there and then you would counter-attack with your pace. I actually think in this scenario, Scott, that is actually the wisest thing to do. 
I won't be surprised if Eric Ten Hag goes there, plays 4-1-5, and Casemiro ends up being left on an island on his own, and it will be a mess. Um, one thing you might be able to work with, Scott, in terms of numbers, is that we, you know, we didn't mention him too much here, but you know, Amrabat played left-back against Forrest. And in the second half, what we saw from Sofian Amrabat is that he can absolutely drive certain areas in midfield, going inverting from the left-hand side, and make you a better team in, in those moments, in, in parts of the pitch where you normally get outnumbered, where you normally get all that space is there. Yeah? And we've said this about United before, is that when the ball comes out from the back, there's sometimes 50 yards between them and the defence. Fingers crossed, Scott, maybe Amrabat can plug some of that hole. And maybe, like actually, the manager said this in his post-match presser. He talked about thinking about playing two sixes. That's a double pivot for people for other money. Yeah, And he hasn't talked about that before. He doesn't like to talk about two six. He likes to talk about one six normally. So I think he might go there and do that. I hope so. That's what I hope as a fan, that he goes there and just plays counterpunch because that's what you can do against this Man City team. They are loads better than you. Don't do what you did at Anfield. Don't play well for one half of football and be naive and think that that's cool because in the second half, they'll kill you. And that's what I'm worried about with in this game is that United might go there and play quite well for half an hour and then Eric lets them off the leash a little bit and you get hammered. But uh, I think tactically, again, you see, we could do shows in that week after week after week. I think Eric needs to learn some of that stuff. I'm not quite sure. I think sometimes he's a bit colorblind to some of that stuff. And I think he'll go there and tell his team to go and attack and go and get at Man City. And yeah, that's cool. But you will lose. If you just do that, you will almost definitely ship four or five goals. Bring back Fred, I say. Bring back Jose. <laughs> Bring back Mourinho, park the bus. Yeah. <laughs> no, look, parking the bus is no problem when you play teams like that. Like, go spoil. Like, I'm happy for that. You could play a double pivot, you know, of Casemiro and Amrabat in there. You could easily do that or facilitate a double pivot and fill the hole. You could put Manu in front of the back four and just really do it. And then just tell Rashford and the quicker players, you know, you'll you get ready on a counter-attack. You know, we're not... Bruno, you're going to be disciplined today. You're not going to play that that kind of number eight role where you float around because they will they will work you out and De Bruyne will just have a laugh against you. So don't do that today. Let's just be compact. I mean, there's any any sin about being compact on a football pitch, Scott? I think quite often now we're so enamoured about attacking football. Sometimes it's a close game. elitism now. about tactics and like Peppers definitely the style of play that Peppers played and Klopp has played over the over the past few years. Hmm. It, it, it's gone so pure. Like in the sense of you, you must you must be on the ball, you must be attacking, you must be entertaining. Yeah, I'm I'm firmly in the camp. I think there's a space for the way Mourinho plays football. Remember when he went to Barcelona and absolutely stunk the place out? Yeah, uh, with Inter and he got killed for it. But he won. won the title. Yeah, he, he won, won the Champions League. Yeah. And I I think the way that the way that football's gone over the past few years, like there's not one way to play football. And I'm happy. I'm completely happy with that. If United go there and spoil the game, and they keep it tight, and they're in the last ten minutes, and they're like, "Oh, we could nick this." Like, yeah. that's fine. Like, yeah. I, you know, but even if you, if you end up losing, yeah, if you end up losing late on yeah. and you don't show enough, then fine. You can you can criticize it, but you gotta you gotta show that you have a threat. And United that's do have key. enough players who can threat who can be a threat. I want the boys to go there and work hard. That's all I want to see. If you lose a game, I, I, I I'm not like going to go home and cry because 
ultimately they are loads better than you and they're chasing things that you can only dream of you know like their double treble so they're going to be more motivated in certain parts of it but may not need to go there and do the work and i think this is what we have questioned this season like repeatedly is that this team will turn up when it wants and when it doesn't want it will fall off quite often scott as we said like the anfield game is that they'll pay well for 40 minutes they'll work really hard second half they'll just look bamboozled like they're not even on the football pitch they might as well have gone home at half time we've seen that performance too many times so for me that's all that really matters and that's why the manager went there to spoil and, and actually players worked hard and stopped man city at source played two blocks of four or five with a five there and you play a low block i'm fine with that like i'm not one of these people that thinks football is about entertainment i think football is a sport so the sport inside of it is, Scott, is that you've got to go and try and win or try and not let the others beat you. <laughs> like, you've got to find a way. Soccer is unique because we have a draw in football, don't we? Like other sports in America and American sports that I follow, there are no draws. You just have overtime and then someone wins. But you can go to Man City, Scott, get a nil-nil draw. Well done. That's that, that's the job done, isn't it? You've done your job there against a much superior being in Man City. So that's what I want to see. Go there, work hard. But I don't want to come into our show next week, Scott, and then go, all oh, right, so we're talking about how bad Man United were in the press. That it just didn't bother. They didn't have any shape. They looked moany and moody and, you know, Bruno had to roll around on the ground and Rashi, Rashi looked sad at the top. I don't want to talk about those things. I just want to talk about the positive stuff and that is actually doing the hard work. How far they have fallen, I hear people say. Manchester uh, United? Yeah, how, how far they've fallen. They're begging for a, a nil-nil draw at City. <laughs> I'll take it tomorrow. And do you know what? Just like we're talking about Mark Robbins, yeah, back in the day when we used to go to Anfield, I'd take nil-nil draws because you go there and you Liverpool could not... also did it to United when Liverpool were bad and United was, was good. about to say, and everyone did it to us when we were the top team for 25 years. Teams would come to Old Trafford and set up. I remember them one of the most... Famous ones that I remember in my head, right? And I don't know why this just popped in, but I think it's because we're talking about Jose. Is that when he bought his Chelsea team to to Man United, he played a system of four six zero, right? This is what he did. Came to Old Trafford. It was a cold night. It was pouring with rain. I remember I was soaked, and he played Kevin De Bruyne, yeah, as his striker in that six. And Kevin De Bruyne played that role and was almost anonymous like it was in the days when people thought Kevin De Bruyne was just a very average midfielder and he played this system where he just blocked it all up and after 90 minutes we went away and I remember thinking well Jose got what he wanted he got his point that's it Jose got what he wanted and we were like oh it wasn't entertaining football doesn't need to always be entertaining it if you're professional you have to be professional about it and it's about getting your results and that is the most important thing for any coach and any footballer i know fans now i think are a bit spoiled with all that scott like they hey alex ferguson used to do it some of the stuff fergie used to do was dross and people people Honestly. don't want to talk about that yeah. especially in europe people some of those that. european performances where he put, put a 4-3-3 and he played park and bloody fletcher and like you know that was awful to watch but i understand why in the years before we won the treble in 99, that those kind of 10 years between, say, the Cantona winning you your first like Premier League to win, winning the treble in 99, it's kind of like a seven-year gap. Like People forget it's a long period of time. United were pretty awful in a lot of those games, in the bigger games. They just didn't really have the tactics. They didn't have the style. And they, again, were a team that were a counterpunch team. Like, you know, it's like, we can hurt you, but 
you know, as we bought players through those years, we attained more control of certain parts of the park. Again, when Roy Keane came to the football club, you know, United stylistically changed through midfield and could play through a little bit more and were, were a bit more of a kind of... We were never really, Scott, a total football team. There were always teams on the continent who were better than us, always. But we could win games. So this is why I think, what I don't worry about this stuff is that, yeah, City are better than you, Liverpool are better than you. But you've got to find ways over time. And that's why I said the other day, five years. Because I think, I remember that it was seven years that Fergie took to find a team that could win a treble. You know, it really took a long time. Pep Guardiola, has it taken him seven years to win a treble at Man City? So these things take time. And Man City is just another game, unfortunately. You've got to go there and do your work. And that's all I care about. It's go there, work hard, lads. And then at the end of the game, you did lose 2-3-4-5-0. We can at least say, well, do you know what? You put up a fight and you lost, and City move on, and we move on, and that's the end of that. Mm-hmm. We'll see uh, how United fear at the Etihad. There's, mm. you know, that they've done it before. They've done it before, but, you know, uh, they really have to be on it, and I feel like if I see the same massive gaps and the same errors, I'm not going to be very happy, and that's probably not going to make a lot of people very happy. But if that does happen, Scott, then there is totally a future case here to talk about changing the manager. So this is un- the unfortunate bit. It doesn't matter whether we want the manager to stay or not stay, or we like this player, or we dislike this player. If he goes there with the wrong tactical setup and tries to be stubborn and stick with it and go, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to play four and five or four. You know, I'm not going to go to a four, two, three, one. I'm not going to kind of try and spoil. Then that's on him. Yeah, and if you lose five nil, then then it's a different conversation, isn't it? And you're right. I, 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 we won't be happy about it. I think there's also got to be a level of realism of a lot of this stuff when it comes down to it. They are so much better than us, so we have to do something that stops them being good, don't we? And have we got that in us? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I do think that Phil Foden will look at, at Casemiro and just go, "I'm going to run you all day long." Wherever you, wherever I go, and you're going to foul me after 20 minutes and get a yellow card, and then we're going to be talking 20, for 20 me like two minutes, so. and me yeah, exactly, <laughs> and that's what worries me, isn't it? Is in game management with Man United is that these players just don't really know how to to kind of do it, and it ends up being like a one man midfield. Like I think Cobby being in there could help United. So let's mm. see. I'm glad he got a rest against Forest. He can't play every minute. I know people are complaining about that. He has to be rotated in and out. He's a young lad, and he needs to be saved for these moments. But he's also a mank, you know. He's he's another guy who might look at this and go, this is the day to really show who I am. Because I, I think he's got that about him. And also about Marcus at the top of the show. Marcus, go show what you can do, yeah? This is a big, big stage <clears throat> for you. You're a Mancunian. You know exactly what it means. So show it in your work. So that's on Sunday afternoon. Any final thoughts for today? No, no final thoughts. I think just in case of... Enjoy the game, everyone, if you can. You know, these moments, this is what players play for, you know. This is what they want is the biggest games. It's just that this is also where maybe the stakes are at their highest. I'm always more worried, Scott, when Fulham turn up against Man United than I'm going to Man City. Because <laughs> you always know that the dysfunction could happen at any moment against the team you should be beating. But no, I don't know. How do you feel about it, Scott? Uh, I think the inevitable will happen where United lose. 2-1 United victory, then I was going to say. <laughs> well, you know, crazy things have happened. I was, I was having this conversation yesterday. I think worst teams have gone to City in the past. and won. This year? They've they've struggled at times. I've seen visitors go there and actually work some of the Man City's tactics out because, let's be honest, Scott, we all know what they do. 
Like it's like the most obvious thing in the world. It's just how do you stop it? Yeah. So hey, you can always hope. Uh, you can hope. Rashford hat trick. Yeah. Well, he's you know be interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> Let's see what happens. Uh, United go to Man City Sunday afternoon in the UK, looking to get back on the road to recovery in the Premier League. They're through in the FA Cup. They'll play Liverpool in two weeks' time, two weekends' time, which is uh, an interesting turn of events at Old Trafford as well. So we'll talk about that closer to the time. We'll be back live after the game. Yeah, let's do a live one. On. Let's do it. Yeah, let's keep keep show. an eye out. We'll we'll be if you've got this far and you're still listening, we may drop a live show immediately reacting to City seven, Man United eight. <laughs> so dour, so dour there. You know, no, no, I not. You, a, I said eight seven. Eight seven, eight seven. Well, that's not going to happen, Scott. That's unrealistic. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, look. As, as I said, uh, if, if it's a nil nil draw. We we we, we will still go live because it might be a really interesting nil nil draw. Who knows? Yeah, fingers crossed. United can win. Anyway, it might be like uh, a quasi celebration if we get a nil nil draw. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, Anyway, right, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube, the Promise and the Man United podcast. Like the video, subscribe, hit the comment section, get in there, leave a comment for us and pop the notification bell on so you never miss a show. Just on the comments as well, keep them coming in. One day we will, we'll mount these comments together and we'll, we'll make a show out of it just because uh, we're getting a lot of them and we really, we really appreciate the support that you send us even mm. the criticism if you want to give us a little bit of criticism yeah, feel, feel free fine, we'll talk about it we'll address it. it it's fine just don't swear at me that, that's no, all that's just, all i ask just be it's nice to be nice isn't it like you know you, criticism constructive criticism is absolutely fine but you know like we don't enjoy the abuse do we scott but unfortunately again in, in our platforms this is what happens is that you will still get some kind of form of abuse mm-hmm Anyway, yeah, get involved in those Apple and Spotify is where you can find us on the podcasts for the audio if you haven't subscribed already. And social media at double underscore Scott Saunders on X, IG, TikTok, at underscore Rob underscore B on X and YouTube, and at TPLMUFC on X as well. Recently passed 1 million uh, downloads and views as well, which is a nice little milestone for us. And uh, yeah, like we say, really appreciate the support. Hopefully, we'll be hitting a billion soon. A billion. Well, this I, I remember years ago when I had my millionth read. Yeah, I remember going back over time, and I remember thinking oh, that was like that was amazing, like one million reads, and then I think I got up to eighty-seven million or something like that reads over over that ten-year period. So that's it, Scott. That's our first million. So now we move on, obviously, to the next one, which will be two million. So, but yes, yeah, thank you, on- everyone. Yeah, just on the accumulation of reads before we go, there was um, I writing for Ninety Min in my early years was the first to reach ten million reads, and hey. as a as a reward, they sent me to Man United versus Everton, Radamel Falcao, uh, that that I game think. where David de Gea saved a penalty. I remember that. made some amazing saves. Yeah, uh, Radamel I Falcao. I think he scored that day. I think he scored that day. Two one win, if I remember rightly. Fantastic. That's a, that's a nice little gift. I don't, I don't remember when I got up to, when I was, I think got into like the hundreds of millions and views of all uh, reads and stuff like, I don't think anyone ever sent me anything. So like, you're quite, you're quite lucky there to get that. That's, that's, yeah, it was. that's yeah. good, isn't it? You know, 
well done but uh, yes thank you to everyone that watches the show and shares it and and again i know it's one of these things we can't reply to everyone we always say this but we we see everything and we love that you kind of comment and that you you champion the show because we know scott we've done this show haven't we organically We've done it through word of mouth more than anything. We've done it through the audience. So uh, a million streams and downloads across all the kind of major podcast providers is a is a fantastic achievement. And it's your show, guys. So thank you very much for that. And uh, stick with us and keep telling your friends about it. Yeah, that that's just final final point there. Keep keep telling people about it because the more we see that that it's am- among your favorite podcasts, is really kind of is really nice because. I think I tweeted about this uh, just a few weeks ago. There's obviously a lot of bluster, a lot of noise out there, and mm. we feel like eh, we might we might contribute to it sometimes, but we we inevitably try not to and t- try and take a reasoned reasoned voice on on most things, even just if that means like leaving t- topics to settle the dust to settle on things a little bit, so yeah. we don't have to be reactionary because it's such a reactionary world nowadays that we just feel like maybe there's a there's somewhere in the middle that. Maybe people are a little bit sick of the shouty, shouty stuff. Oh, and, gotcha. Uh, like, you know? in, our, in our original pre-production before we ever did our first show, that was what we talked about, wasn't it? Again, was don't get too high, don't get too low. And kind of using that as the mantra going forward. And we've done our best to try and stay away from just stuff that's your typical clickbaity stuff. Like we have to talk about some things that are more in that arena but overall Scott, we didn't want that for this show did we so the fact that we kind of took that as our our philosophy for our little football club here uh you know, kind of the promised land fc and we what's decided we were gonna, that's it we were gonna what's the formation four three three with one inverted fullback total football for no do you know what no three four three that's what i've decided yeah, because I want us to play for have control from the back. So right. we, we, Antonio Conte, in you come. Okay. Yeah, so we're not Antonio Conte. See, we're not regressive because then we would have done clickbait. You know, we'd we'd have done stuff that looked good. Watch <laughs> now. Played three, we will four, have three, didn't he at Chelsea? Yeah, we're gonna have on the on the thumbnail after City beat United. Rob and my uh, Rob and me on the thumbnail with shocked faces, like uh, that. Yeah, you can just tell. I get my phone and turn it into a thumbnail going. Oh, or rush rushy hat trick there you go in that face like that there you again got to go on youtube and look for our faces because quite often yeah, sorry, you yeah. must be you must be listening to it on spotify or apple uh, or downloaded it and you've gone what what faces are they making i can't see that when i'm just listening to something but uh yeah sorry about that jump on youtube and you'll see all our funny faces Right, we'll be back Sunday evening. Join us on YouTube Live. We'll also up- upload the audio pretty soon after that as well, but we'll be taking some uh, listener and viewer questions as well if you want to get them in. So really appreciate all the support. Really appreciate you sticking with us through this uh, sub-59 minutes of the latest episode of the Promise Land podcast. From Scott and Rob, that's it. We'll be back after the City game on Sunday. Fingers crossed United can take something, but, uh, you know, We will see. Until next time, everyone. See you soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.